0: All right, we got Will Shambly on. I almost called you Will Lambley because I got a buddy named <laughs> Will Lambley. He's been on the show as well. So it was uh, almost a mistake there, my bad brother. Um, but we got Will Shambly, Alabama fan on the show, and we just want to talk more, a little bit more about uh, kind of the aftermath of the College Football Playoff Committee's decision to leave Florida State out, put Alabama in. Uh, you as an Alabama fan, that's what I want first. You as an Alabama fan, when you heard the news – what was your first reaction?
1: I was excited, and
0: not from the standpoint
1: of it's a good thing for the sport or the right decision or anything like that. I just I love this team, and having like seen all the games, I think they're really a good team. And so, to see you know your team have a chance to win it all, it's an exciting thing. But I think the more I've thought about it, the worse I feel about the decision, and um, I'm still excited to see Bama play Michigan. It's going to be a lot of fun, a great game. But I think it's hard to ignore how, like, corrupt the decision was, which really sucks that Alabama is, like, benefiting from something like that.
0: Yeah, you, you feel a little icky, don't you?
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, I don't think there's really, like, a reason to put Alabama over Florida State that isn't at its best, like, a weird and, like, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, contradictory like decision to everything they've like done the past five, six, seven years of the playoff. At worst, it's just completely corrupt and a decision made by ESPN and either way, it's not good.
0: So I don't know what you do with that. Yeah. What do you think the implications are for the ACC as a whole? I just, if you're an ACC team,
1: particularly Clemson or Florida state teams that have made the playoff before I don't know how you can look at the ACC and think this is a conference that can get me into the playoff and give me a chance to win national championships, which is that's the purpose of these programs. Uh, because you just seen Florida State, a team with like pedigree, a team that has been like historically very good. Uh, one of like the quote unquote, maybe not a blue blood, but like a very successful team in college cultural history. They just went 13-0 in your conference and still couldn't even make the playoff. So there's just not a path anymore if you're not in the Big Ten or the SEC to make the playoff consistently. And so we're going to see the ACC, I think, probably is not going to exist in the next two to three years. And we're going to see the like, aggregation of these conferences into the Big Two or Three with the Big 12 as well.
0: Yeah, future long-term, do you see it shifting fully to a Big 2 or do you think, you know, like a a Big 12 will stay around or is it going to just pretty much be SEC, Big 10 here in like five years?
1: I think that the Big 12 will stay around. I think Yormac's been very aggressive with um, pursuing teams. and They'll get – if the ACC dissolves, they'll get some ACC teams too. So just by the sheer size of the conference. And their media deal's pretty good. They'll stick around and who knows, maybe they'll – become relevant enough for it to be a big three, but it seems like your Mac is pursuing basketball more so than football. And that's, I think indicated by their pursuing of Gonzaga and UConn as well. When it comes to football, the big 10 and the sec have such a stranglehold on the landscape of college football. And if they get Clemson and Florida state, it's hard to see that like not changing. What do you, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that uh, with the Big 12's decisions, like you're saying, Gonzaga, UConn, even like Arizona from the Pac-12. Like, those are those are basketball schools, really. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it is a smart pivot. If you're going to dominate one of the major sports, I know basketball is not the moneymaker compared to football. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to just become the basketball conference, like the, the Big East, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Be like the new Big East in that way. It's not a bad. It's not a bad thing. Uh, you know, Big Ten is, Big Ten and SEC are clearly the two major conferences now. I, I think those are the top two. ACC, Big Twelve are still up there, but clearly from this decision that we just saw, uh, those aren't the those aren't the pedigree conferences. And so everybody that has money and everybody that has standard is going to want to be clamoring to get into those conferences. So. You know, Paul Feinbaum talked about this like a couple of weeks ago that, you know, five years from now, it's going to look totally different than what it is even right now. Landscape's changing. And before you know it, it's just going to be, you know, one mega conference, but everybody's in their own little zones. And it's just going to be the same thing all of a sudden where your teams out west are going to play each other, your teams in the southeast, but it's all under the Big Ten or SEC umbrella. I am curious what what is going to happen there. Let's uh, I do want to pivot though to on field stuff. So we got our final four here. Um, what do you think is going to play out? Give me your your semifinal predictions and then final predictions.
1: Yeah, I think that Texas is going to handle Washington pretty easily. I don't think that game is going to be very competitive. Um, having watched Washington recently, the wins over Oregon are really impressive, but. Texas's offensive and defensive line, the experience there, I think is going to allow them to dominate the game in time of possession. And as long as Ewers doesn't make mistakes, when he hasn't thrown interceptions like he did in the OU game, Texas has been very hard to beat. And so I think Texas gets through pretty easily. The Michigan-Alabama game is going to be a tough one for both teams. Um, I think it's going to come down to how J.J. McCarthy performs against Alabama's secondary I think it's one of the best defenses Saban has ever had at Alabama. Um, And it's, I think, a little underrated uh, because this year they lost earlier. They lost in week two to Texas. Alabama's kind of been on the periphery of college football this season until lately. But it's a very good team. And if the secondary can stall, J.J. McCarthy, Michigan can have a bad passing day. I think they can make it low scoring and Jalen Miller can do just enough with his legs to get Alabama the points they need to win. So I'm giving, I'm giving the win to Alabama and then Alabama-Texas rematch. I don't know. I, I think you have to give it to Texas just because they beat us in week two at home. So on a neutral site in Houston in their backyard, I don't see how it goes any differently. But I guess the hope is that Miller is a, a better, more developed quarterback than he was in week two, which... I think is true, but at the same time, there's still he's still inconsistent at times. There's still the cracks in his game, and I'll just be very interested to see how that rematch plays out. It'll be great for the television ratings. ESPN will
0: love that. So, oh, yeah. dude has Texas all the way back. I respect it. Um, mm-hmm. what, did, what did Auburn do to be successful and almost win that game against Alabama? What what break that down for me? <laughs> Part or of it's just more of Alabama not playing up to their standard. Well, part
1: of it's just the Iron Bowl and yeah. Jordan Hare having this weird voodoo magic that it just seems whenever we go into Jordan Hare, we play poorly. And I don't even think we played that poorly. I, you know on offense we were getting we're getting first downs. Miller had all the time in the world. I think part of it is our wide receivers can't quite get the separation needed. And Miller is a little sh- trigger shy. He doesn't really pull triggers on throws that he can make. He has great arm talent, but I think he's he doesn't, he just doesn't want to screw up. He doesn't want to throw the pick that ends the game. And so when the game was close going into the second half, you kind of saw him just start to scramble every time he had the ball and are often stalled because of that. I don't think Auburn really did anything that special that took Alabama into a dogfight close game. Uh, there were some self-inflicted penalties uh, which has been consistent over the last two or three years with Alabama's offensive line. Um, I, I really just think that Alabama doesn't have that elite playmaker on offense and that can at times and it has multiple times this year gotten us into these games where we've been able to like claw our way out of it but we don't have that guy that can kind of take over and get consistent offense for Bama and so a rivalry game, you're nervous, you need this win to stay relevant in the college football playoff. I think there's – Milrow and the guys were nervous on offense and we weren't able to really get consistent offense production. But a close game.
0: It's just weird, man. You know, almost should have lost to Auburn. Hate to be that guy, Will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well for real quick, what was your – that play, that last play where Milrow throws a touchdown to the corner? Take me through your feelings during that whole thing. Well, I, I
1: watched it with my dad. And you know, we take uh, was it a sack right to get it to fourth and thirty one? Yeah, or maybe a penalty. So but that penalty happens, and I watch my dad go through the five stages of grief in about thirty seconds before the play. First, he's at first, he's like he's just angry, you know, he's just mad at Miller for making the mistake. And then, you know, he's like, well, you know, it's possible, weird things can happen, you know, like who knows? And then, he finally gets to the acceptance. I hear him say, he just goes, well, it's just a game. We gave it our best shot. And then the play happens and goes into the end zone and we score. And I, we both just looked at each other and our mouths were just wide open. We were just like, what just happened? And I think it was a moment of disbelief before we started to celebrate because neither of us thought I, – I, both of us had written off Alabama season at that point. We were – this is what it is. Let's hope we get a win against Georgia. And somehow we pulled it out. One of the one of the most incredible, eyeball moments ever, and that's a great rivalry with a lot of great moments. It was really cool to witness with a family member that is committed to the Tide like my dad is.
0: Yeah, that was awesome. You got you got one on them. You know they had the the kick six. Now you have the mm-hmm. prayer and Jordan Hare. I've heard a few people calling it that. Yeah,
1: and on the ten year anniversary too,
0: which is wild. Poetic. You know, actually, I'll be honest with you. My playoff prediction is opposite you. So, I got Michigan-Washington. It's just because Washington, for me, is such a wild card, right? You know, they were nine-and-a-half-point dogs against Oregon, even though they beat them the first time. They were the undefeated team in the Pac-12. But they they run the table every time. They they keep just winning, you know, no matter what. It doesn't look pretty. It doesn't always look great. Their defense is not solid for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um They just keep winning. And I think – I don't know, man. I think they're going to pull it out on Texas. I think Michigan, though, is the best team in the country right now. And so I think – I got Michigan winning the whole. Yeah.
1: So I have two questions first. What do you think of Phoenix? Is he – I feel like he statistically puts up big stats. But when you you watch him, especially in the big games, a little shaky sometimes. I don't know. What do you think of him?
0: As again – he he represents Washington well. He's a wild card. I mean that Wash that first that regular season Washington Oregon game, he answered the bell, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. had that great drive at the end. Um, had a really hot start to the season, but you're right, kind of fizzled out towards the end against lesser opponents. I don't know. Isn't he also like 24 years old? So he's old guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think uh he's not really like your he's got a nice ball but i don't think he's really your nfl kind of guy um i just think really what it is is that kevin de boer has a good system there for him and he's just mm-hmm. been able to thrive in that um he is a good quarterback don't be wrong but i don't think he's the best quarterback in in the country or anything like that uh um, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens there and then I, you know michigan i think is just they're just dominant in every aspect right now i just i yeah, see man. That. so
1: And my other question was, why hasn't the Michigan cheating scandal, why did that not play a part at all into the college football playoff selection discussions?
0: You know, I heard a lot of people bring that up after the fact, but I didn't hear anybody talking about it like heading into that, heading into those games. I mean, that's a good question. Maybe it just goes back to, uh, the corruptness of the playoff committee in Michigan's a, a big blue blood school, and uh, they should be in for for numbers purposes. But again, I mean, it didn't look like it didn't seem like, and I know the playoff committee is different from the NCAA, but this year specifically, uh, nobody's really getting penalized except for Connor Stallions, who you know, <laughs> he left the team, and then Jim Harbaugh with a, a three game suspension mm-hmm. to end the regular season, that kind of thing. I mean. That seems like the only penalties they're going to get this year. I think anything we they get is going to be later in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, ha- it has to be at this point. It just seems so weird to me that they had enough evidence to suspend Harbaugh for three games, but not enough to do anything else, it seemed like. And there were the reports that said they had the convincing evidence that Michigan had cheated. So I don't know. I don't know what you do with that.
0: I don't know either. We live in a we live in a corrupt world. Will that's my that's my takeaway from the last week or two of college football. That's my takeaway.
1: Yeah, yeah. Can we uh, can we turn it to the Razorbacks just for a second? I don't want to, but sure. Uh, so you guys hired Baylor's offensive line coach Eric Mateos recently. I don't know if you saw that. I did see that. Um, one of the funniest hires I've ever seen. guys. Is-
0: I don't know much about him. He's horrible.
1: Our He's offensive line was was great when he joined, and I think it's now like one of the worst in the FBS in terms oh, of pass protection.
0: That's incredible to hear, you know. But I got a I got an O line coach at head coach this year, for another. Yeah. Year, so, but you know, last year we probably had a worse O line than anybody in the country, mm. and so I mean I, I think anything's an upgrade from uh Brad Davis. I think is his name. Went to Mississippi State now. Yeah. So, but I yeah, I didn't really know much about Mateos. Thank you for uh, bumming my spirits and telling me the <laughs> O line is going to get even worse. Well, it's all balanced because it might not matter. Bobby Petrino is such an offensive wizard that it you know you know if that's kid fix everything. He can just figure out the offensive scheme, right? He runs that, and then Pittman just takes over like ninety-eight percent control of the O line. Maybe that's what will happen. That kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pittman. He can just take over the offensive line and make sure that the guys aren't watching Polar Express during halftime. And it's going to go really well next
0: season. What would be the movie that you should watch during halftime? If Polar Express is not the movie, what is the movie to watch during halftime?
1: I just think it's sad that it's not even like a football-related movie, you know? Like at least pick something that's on topic. Remember the Titans? Rudy? I don't know. Those are great choices. It would make sense.
0: I just love how, man, that's, it's just a funny picture. He's literally two feet away from the screen, too. He's just right up on there watching. The <laughs> the, yeah, that was a bad look. Tough season for the Hogs, man. We uh, But we looked past it. We got Petrino back, so everything's going to be fine now, man. That's how I view things. That's how I view the Razor. Yeah.
1: And were you pro-Keeping Pittman, or were you one and out of there?
0: Man, I was pro. I, you know, I, I didn't know who else you were going to get in this cycle, that kind of thing. And so I'm okay with it. And they, I mean, I know, you know, there's a lot of controversy and a lot of baggage probably with Petrino coming back. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's about as home run of a offensive hire for Arkansas as you can get right now. Yeah. So, I mean, they, yeah. immediately everybody was deflated. And then they announced that Petrino's coming back as OC. And the spirits of the entire fan base just went back up immediately.
1: No matter what. Even if the Petrino hire doesn't work, it was fantastic PR for the Hogs. Yeah. Just you're to get chick. the fan base back
0: into it. Uh, you is a fantastic athletic director. Makes yeah, moves, makes the right hires. It's been impressive to see him kind of fund this, uh, manage this, this program, this department. I guess athletics is all.
1: Yeah, and I think he's in the right. Like whatever decision he made about Pittman, just gotta trust him because I feel like he he knows what he's doing. I definitely think the buyout probably played a, a large role in whether or not they decided to keep him. Um, but Yuracek, he's a great athletic director. Arkansas, outside of football, really one of the best athletic programs in the nation, and he's a big reason for that with his hires.
0: Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I lost my train of thought. But, you know, there were a couple of people saying – oh, well, if we have another bad season, they should uh, fire your check, too. Like, people are just idiots sometimes, man. What a bad take, you know? Yeah, yeah. Horrible. But, uh, well, hey, any uh, any final thoughts before I let you go? Um, No, I you know, I was looking into
1: tickets to the national championship game because I have belief that Bama's going to get there. You know, the lowest, like, the get-in price to, to just
0: nosebleed tickets. Uh, I'm gonna say it's over five hundred dollars. It was over like a thousand dollars. What? That's insane. Which is, I
1: know, and I know it's like the first couple weeks people are still pretty hyped, close to the game. It'll probably be cheaper, but it's in Houston, and I guess that's just the Texas fans buying up all the tickets. But uh, that may that may be sad because I it was. One of the first national championships has been like pretty close uh, in a minute and Bama has a chance to go. And
0: no dice, can't pay a thousand dollars for that. You just go to the casino, have a really good <laughs> night at the blackjack table, and you're going to Houston. That's all that you have to do. Yeah. That's
1: a great thought. And you know what? Um, I'll just take the proceeds from this podcast and that'll be my seed money for the for the casino.
0: All right. So uh, you'll be going to the casino with zero dollars. <laughs> Hopefully, you can make a profit out of that somehow. I'll find a way. Will, thanks for being on, man. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me, Heath. I really appreciate it.